Mmm, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You're listening to the Story Geeks Podcast, produced by the Reclamation Society. All right, guys, we are diving into another film within the Star Wars universe, so you know I'm excited to talk about that. Um, I have two uh, very cool people with me today. Daryl Smith, who you know as host of the Story Geeks podcast. Welcome, Daryl. Hello, hello. And just so you guys know, too, uh, Daryl and I are going to start doing more and more podcasts together, because, you know, if you listen to the podcast frequently, he'll host some, I'll host some, but we're actually going to be hosting most of them together uh, coming up real soon. So We've worked out our issues. We, <laughs> we can stand to be around each other now. We've gone through counseling, and yeah. it's clear that he's wrong about everything. Yeah, and... I've accepted it. <laughs> uh, we also have with us Megan Salinas. Megan is uh, host on AfterBuzz TV, including hosting the Star Wars Rebels After Show. So she has more credentials than Daryl and I combined. <laughs> oh, nonsense. <laughs> How are you, Megan? I'm doing very well. Thank you guys so, so much for having me tonight. Oh, of course. It's great to have you. And we're going to dive into this really fun conversation about The Empire Strikes Back, which how can you not have fun (laughs) talking about The Empire Strikes Back? Um, And I'm going to start with Megan here. Megan, where does this film rank in your list of Star Wars films? Um, first of all, I do want to just say that given that this is Empire Strikes Back, I feel insanely flattered that I get to be the one on, on your guys' show for this <laughs> one, um, because the Empire Strikes Back is just kind of a big deal. <laughs> um, personally, for me, um, it's actually not my number one, and I know for a lot of people that's kind of sacrilege, um, but for me, if we're just talking about contextually in the original trilogy, um, I think... A New Hope is the best standalone film, but as a trilogy, Empire Strikes Back is the best chapter of that trilogy. Mm. And if we're talking about my favorite, it's actually Return of the Jedi, because that was the first Star Wars film I ever saw. My parents did me a huge disservice by showing them to me all out of order. (laughs) Um, So uh, Return of the Jedi will always be my favorite. But looking at it as a trilogy, Empire, I mean, you have to. Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with that. Daryl, where does this rank in your list of films? Well, first of all, I agree with Jedi. Like, I think, I don't know if Jedi was the first one I saw, but Jedi's the one that I'm most nostalgic about. Mm. But I also, I also recognize that it's not as good as some of the other movies. Yeah, it's kind of weird to think of, like, your favorite one being the weakest link out of, out of the three of them. Yeah, like, it's kind that. of a cheeseball movie, but, but it's a wonderful <laughs> cheeseball movie. <laughs> Um, after rewatching Empire last night, I would put it at number two. Okay. Um, and I feel like my number one is always controversial amongst real Star Wars fans. I'm using air quotes because I'm probably not a real Star Wars. Not, not compared <laughs> to you guys. I love Star Wars, but you know, my super, super geekism is probably Batman and DC comics and stuff like that. But, um, my number one is The Force Awakens, which... I hope that doesn't piss everybody oh, off. You're but gonna have a couple people listening. What can just I go say? Berserk. You're gonna have uh, a couple haters on you, but I want to give you a high five, a virtual high five at the moment. Cause I'll take it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with liking one of the newer films as your number one. I would say until I watched Empire last night, Rogue One was probably number two. Oh yeah. And now it's been bumped. 
Yeah, and don't don't you worry. Like uh, I'm gonna have some controversial choices uh, a little later on down the line, so don't don't feel bad at all. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll give you a hard time, and then I'll look really good, and everything will be fine. <laughs> You'll come down <laughs> on me like, oh, you're a fake geek girl. How dare you say that? <laughs> well, for me, Empire Strikes Back is my number one for sure. So I fall right into alignment with the mass of people falling off the cliff. But um, <laughs> this is Rogue... probably your number two movie of all time, right? Yes, this is my number two movie of all time. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, there is one movie, as in, we actually did a podcast on the best fantasy films, and it's the only place I know where to put this film in terms of geekdom, but uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, it barely beats this film for my top film of all time. Oh, that's, um, that's got to be a close call, for sure. Oh, it's super close, yeah, it's super close. They're neck and neck, and it's just like, I don't know, <laughs> I, I have to choose Raiders, but they're both, they both are amazing, obviously. Um, this was the first time that I watched Empire on Blu-ray. Yeah, and I was really shocked at how good it was. The clarity was fantastic, and I know that like you know George Lucas updating the films has gotten a lot of criticism, but the fact that I can watch this film on Blu-ray and it doesn't lose any of the special effects clarity yeah. is pretty awesome. He didn't touch Empire too heavily. No, he didn't. He didn't touch it too heavily. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like with Empire more, maybe more so than the other two uh, in the original trilogy. I feel like that one just got a few little cosmetic tweaks here or there yeah um whereas the other two movies got like full-on extra scenes added um that completely change your context and perception of certain characters like in the original cut Jabba wasn't in the the original Star Wars film that scene ended up on the cutting room floor and then the you got the special edition where they you know inserted him back in and so like that changes your perspective your perspective of uh you know Jabba the Hutt yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, I feel like with uh, Empire Strikes Back, not really a whole lot was added. It was just like little little visual tweaks here and there. Mostly, yeah. mostly yeah. like establishing shots of the worlds and the planets and right. stuff See, like, like that. Look how cool Cloud City is. And you're yeah. like, yeah, Cloud City does look cool. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's very true. All right, guys. Well, we are going to dive into it now. We're going to ask some deeper questions, as we always do on the Story Geeks podcast. Uh, and, I, and honestly, there are some bizarre questions in here. I know of one at least totally bizarre question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, but our first question, we've made it to the sixth chronological film within the Star Wars universe. And we have not said anything about the iconic introduction that George Lucas added to these films. So every film begins with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And what I'm wondering from you guys, and we'll start with you, Daryl, what about that simple phrase stands out to you and what emotions do you feel when you see it and when you think about it? Well, I think it's brilliant <clears throat> um, because like when we were doing the top 10 sci-fi episode and the top 10 fantasy episode, there were Star Wars movies in both. Yeah. Because you can make the argument that it's not a sci-fi movie because it takes place in the past. You know? <laughs> right, right. But I think it's brilliant because... By saying a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So basically just this is removed from reality. Mm. You know, it's that simple. And we can do whatever we want. And you can't complain about it. And <laughs> we can build this world however we want. And it's brilliant. And for me, it's super nostalgic. It's like up there with, you know, like Elliot and E.T. riding the bicycle in front of the moon. Oh, or, yeah. Or like uh, from... 
Superman movie, the da 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 of the theme, you know? So, yeah, it's a big deal. It is, yeah, it's a, it's a very big deal. What do you think, Megan? What, how does it make you feel? What, 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 how, what stands out to you about it? Well, kind of going off of, um, you know, is Star Wars a fantasy film or is it, uh, is it a sci-fi film? You know, we can debate that till the cows come home or, you know, just summarize by saying it's both. Um, and, yeah, that's the big thing about Star Wars uh, is that even though it's definitely a science fiction world, it pulls so heavily from fantasy story structure and and various fantasy elements um that and i think that you can kind of get that right off the bat because what phrase does a long time ago in a galaxy far far away what phrase does that kind of echo and that phrase is once upon a time which Mm -hmm. is very fairy tale imagery so immediately it's something different yet familiar And to me, when I hear, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I feel like I'm about to sit down for a fairy tale. I feel like a kid who's going to go on a magical adventure. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Um, The only notes that I had for this were there's a timelessness to it, too. Right. So, like, it's showing us what we would you know, traditionally think of as the future. And yet he's telling us it was a long time ago. And that just creates like this timelessness that we then have to go, okay, this is like you're saying, Megan, like um, it's leading us into this storytelling framework, which I think is really cool, especially because George Lucas is building off the hero's journey and it sort of fits with that. It fits into this timeless mythology that George Lucas loves so much. Um, So that part I thought was uh, really cool as well. And I think there's an intriguing piece here to where he's saying that this is within our own universe so there's a familiarity with that that we can actually associate to which i think is really fascinating yeah yeah and to kind of go off of that it's actually as you said it it's made things in a certain way timeless in a way that i'm not necessarily sure that they even intended at the time but like you can look at the original film from the 70s and this film from you know 1980 and look at the technology in it and you know be you it's not like when we look at movies that are set in the future that were made you know 30 40 years ago and just kind of laugh at how silly it looks now because it's like oh 2015 i don't have a hoverboard that was such a silly fantasy idea <laughs> but because this is a long time ago in a galaxy far far away it's a completely different world and so them having dated looking technology means nothing because we can't really compare it to what we have in the real world. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and you're right, that is... Now, I'm surprised that you don't have a hoverboard because Daryl and I have been riding hoverboards for years now. You I'm monsters! Right now. <laughs> <laughs> we invented them in the basement. We just haven't told anyone yet. <laughs> Can I get in on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just cost a million dollars. How about I do um, another podcast? Like, we'll, they, we'll that, exchange work too. <laughs> uh, podcasting uh, that hosting good. stuff for hoverboards. That sounds good to me. But it has to be a Transformers podcast. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, my God. Uh, did we just become best friends? Because I'm totally down with that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, Side the... note, I'm also on the Robots in Disguise after show at After Buzz. So hey. you were talking to the right gal. <laughs> nice. That is awesome. Then, you're, then you're, you really do stretch across all of geekdom then at that point. I, I check off a lot of boxes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. 
Um, question number two. Uh, in this crawl, we are told that there are dark times for the rebellion. So it's kind of interesting to hear that because we know that the rebellion actually just destroyed um, the Death Star, and yet we're in dark times. And so I kind of wanted to explore um, what does it mean? What is, what is? How would you describe? dark times and what does that look like for the rebellion and how would you translate that into our own lives and then the really intense question is are we in dark times now so megan i'll start with you and i threw a bunch of questions at you and they're all intense but <laughs> what do you think um you know i feel like every generation defines dark times in different ways and we won't really we don't really get the full scope of that without like historical context. And so sadly, you know, people who, who fought in any given war, they, you know, they, they didn't know how the war was going to turn out. And so, you know, we have this history gives us this wonderful hindsight bias to determine whether or not somebody was living in a dark time or not. Um, and so it's, I feel like uh, in terms of the empire, certainly this is a very dark time. But something that kind of um, gives in the in the world of Star Wars that gives us this perspective uh, is the long term perpetual nature uh, uh, perpetual uh, nature of the Force, which is mm. to always be in constant conflict, um, and that's kind of a, a mind bender to sort of wrap your head around um, when you're looking at Star Wars outside of the original trilogy. Um, you know, because it seems like this very good versus evil sort of story. But when you really start digging into, like, the expanded lore, and not not to get too much into the EU or anything like that, because I'm definitely not an expert on the extended universe, but you kind of figure out that, like, the, the light and dark side are in constant conflict, and that always manifests itself throughout the rest of the, the galaxy. And it drives it. It drives this perpetual conflict, and it will never end. And I thought, actually, I think one of the most compelling villains in the uh, Star Wars lore was actually one of the villains in um, the the Knights of the Old Republic's video game, which mm. was um, uh, her whole motivation was to try to destroy the Force because, in you know, she's like it's the constant for you know. Uh, it's the constant source of conflict. Without the Force, the light and the dark sides aren't going to be in constant battle with one another, and so you can actually achieve a true peace throughout the universe, which is a very interesting perspective to look at the Force as. It's not necessarily just this good thing. It's just it's a natural occurrence. So um, that that's one of the, to me, that that's a very compelling um, sort of perspective to take on it. Do I think it would do more harm than good? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but certainly um, during this uh, during this time in the Star Wars canon, yeah, this is dark times. The Emperor um, has, you know, basically crushed democracy throughout the, the rest of the galaxy. And our heroes, though they, they dealt a devastating blow at the end of the New Hope, that just sort of has motivated the Empire to come down even harder on the rest of, you know, on, on all of their subjects, on everybody. And so, yes, the Empire has been dealt a serious blow, but it also, in order to maintain its power, it, it, you know, it's going to come out the rebels 
even harder and to try to quell that fire of rebellion. Um, so yes, definitely during uh, what we see in um, at the at the beginning of the title crawl, you know, we definitely get this notion that there are dark times. Um, in terms of whether or not we're living in dark times now, uh, it's really that that's a little bit of a loaded question. Um, but like <laughs> every day, it seems to be harder and harder to not think we're in dark times. Um, because every day we we get bombarded with the incompetence of our president and with the consequences of climate change and with the ever-growing tensions with a, another global superpower. It is very, very difficult to not to, to get up in the morning and not think, oh man, end times, end times. <laughs> but again, that historical perspective of like, you know, people who were around during the Cold War also thought they were in end times. Um, people who were around during the Great Depression, you know, they they definitely thought they were dark times, like, oh, the end is nigh. Um, I, I feel like even during times of economic prosperity or, um, or supposedly stability, uh, you know, there are constantly wars being fought and there's always a doomsday cult that's like, end times are here, and people <laughs> will buy into it for one reason or another. So yes, I think we're living in dark times, um, but it's important to remember that every generation has dark times um, to face, and it's how you and the rest of uh, your, your peers and the rest of society choose to deal with it. That is the important thing, and will ultimately define how history looks back on that period. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good take. Um, what about you, Daryl? Anything to add to that? Is there anything to add to that? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Sorry, I rambled for a bit. No, that was awesome. I mean, I, I think as far as the movie goes, I think I feel like I'm a very narrow-minded Star Wars fan, hmm. or like a very I have a very narrow focus. Sure. Because for me, when you say dark times, I just think of like Luke and Leia and Han, and I don't even think of like the galaxy as a whole and you know the empire's growing grip and stuff like that because my take on this was kind of like in the beginning of the movie it kind of seems like things are going fairly well yeah the rebels are like woo high fives everybody things yeah by the end of the movie it's incredibly dark <laughs> but but um <clears throat> so that was kind of my take on that um I always feel like we are in dark times right now. Hmm. And I don't know if it's because I get anxious about things or if it's because, you know, we've we've gone through ugly stuff in our world before my whole life, but now I have a family, now I have children, I have a wife, and I have other people that this stuff affects and mm -hmm. it's not just me anymore. And that makes it... I don't know. It, it gives it so much more weight. So like you have more to lose. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I see, you know, I see the threat of a nuclear weapon being fired at our country and I'm like, oh, great. Is this the world my kids get to grow up in? You know, right, and right. and all the racism happening across our country. And I'm like, great. Are these the examples that my kids are going to grow up with? You right. know, and so I feel like it's dark, but we also live in a time where we have access to everything that's going on in the world at any time, Yeah, you know, and maybe before the internet, 
felt lighter because we just didn't know. We were more ignorant. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so having access to all this information and equally just as much misinformation just makes everything seem terrible. Right, right. I think about that a lot too. I think about the, the access the access we have to information and the ridiculousness of that because you know it wasn't that long ago where we didn't have cell phones we didn't have the ability to you know see anywhere on the face of the earth with satellites at any point in time we wanted to and you know we wouldn't hear about them you know we might hear about them firing a ballistic missile within like i don't know 24 hours but if they're just doing like military exercises or whatever like we wouldn't hear about that for a week you know and by the time that happens it's like well i guess nothing happens so we're all right like they move jets from one point to another in their country and we know about it (laughs) exactly (laughs) we know everything that's happening yeah and again end times yeah yeah i know um so i took this I, i i started this question out by thinking about what it meant to have dark times and the the answer i came up with was a d- dark times are times where we have despair, um, or another way of saying despair um, is hopelessness, right? So we don't really have much to hope for. Um, and that kind of gives us, a, a, for me at least, it, it said, that means that all of us, all human beings will go through dark times, whether that's just personal or if it's actually applied to the entire generation, kind of like you had um, referred to, Megan, about like where history decides, like, oh, that was a dark time. And of course, the writers of history <laughs> decide which times were dark, right? Like, <laughs> very true. Um, so uh, even even it was occurred occurred to me because like uh, for whatever reason, I watch a lot of um, vloggers from Florida, and so I'm watching all these hur- hurricanes roll into Florida. And a lot of them tend to vlog at Disney World. And so I'm watching these hurricanes roll in on Disney World and it's like, wow, that's crazy. Like I go to vacation at Disneyland or Disney World or whatever. I go to get away from dark times and yet you can't escape them because literally a hurricane is rolling up on the happiest place on earth, right? Yeah. Um, So it's kind of crazy. And my wife and I have been, my wife and I have lost three extended family members um, this year. And it's just kind of like, like how many, like that's dark times to me, right? Like just the, going through that emotional process of losing family members can just be so tough. Um, and then as we talked about, there's like the global dark times, like World War Two, where can you imagine in World War Two if you had access to Facebook? I mean, like, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> you'd, you'd wake up to anxiety attacks oh. every single day, which they probably did anyways. It's bad enough to see pictures of it in history books. Oh, I know, I know, it's crazy. Um, and so I think that what's interesting about the crawl explaining that to us is that we left the theaters cheering after a new hope. Um, and it was called a new hope. So we left the theaters going like, yeah, we made it. Like we got, we like dealt them a serious blow. We're not exactly sure what happened to Darth Vader because he's off spinning around in space. (laughs) And, uh, and then all of a sudden they're, they're telling us like, oh no, actually it's dark times. And one of the things that I felt like was true as I analyzed this is that I feel like if you have a glimmer of hope and then you're confronted with the reality of like, oh, I had this glimmer of hope that things might get better, but actually what's going on is still really bad. It almost makes the times perceptively darker. Because at least if you're in despair, you're like, well, I guess this is what it is, you know? 
But if you have that glimmer of hope, like that's really dark times. Cause you're like, I don't even know. We had this hope, but we still might not make it. Yeah. So, and as far as we're, if we're in dark times now, um, I feel like it's so cyclical. Like if you had asked me three years ago, are we in dark times? I'd be like, no way, man. Everything's like going pretty well. Like <laughs> it's great. Then if you asked me like three years, well, whatever it was, you know, 2009 in the financial crisis, 2010, I'd be like, ah, seems pretty dark right now. So <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it just depends on, I guess, what's going on with you personally. But also, I mean, I don't see a lot of hope right now. Um, given where the country's at and the fact that there's new threats and that we don't seem to be dealing with those threats in mature ways um is a very is very serious so it, it almost feels to me like we have someone building a death star and we're just kind of like let's poke the people building death stars and i'm like why do we want to do that that sounds terrible it sounds like the opposite um, of what we should be doing exactly where's luke that's what i want to know where's luke let's send him in um so yeah it's it's i hope that we get we turn a corner here and i hope that it's not the wrong corner we should go don't go down a, a completely different path but i guess we will see um now there is for question number three there is a small vignette at the beginning of the film that helps set up where the characters are all at um and then we jump right into the battle of hoth and the battle of hoth is obviously an iconic battle um my question to you guys, and I'll start with Daryl, but is this the best battle in a Star Wars film? If so, why? And if not, which battle do you think is best and why? All right. Well, I thought through this and compared it against other ones I love, like as cheesy as it is, the Ewok battle from Jedi. Yeah. And the battle at, um, is it Takodana? Is that how you pronounce the planet that Maz Kanata is on in The Force Awakens? So. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Then that one too, when the first order shows up and and they take Ray. That is a fantastic battle. That one's great, yeah. 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 But I think at the end of the day, I think Hoth actually is the best one. Even if it's I don't know. There's there's so much to there's different things to enjoy (laughs) about each one. Like in the in the in the the Force Awakens battle, I love how tactical it is and how it's it's a little bit they've modernized it a little bit and it's a little bit more practical and tactical and stuff but there's i mean you can't argue with giant imperial walkers <laughs> coming through the snow and they still look really good I like know. they're still really cool looking and so i think when it comes down to it for me why this might be the best battle is because i think the intimidation of the empire and the empire being like this foreboding force that you're supposed to be afraid of as a moviegoer really comes through in this battle, probably more than anything else. Absolutely. And it still just looks amazing. So it's your favorite. Uh, It's the best. Okay. It's the most iconic. It's the most well done. I think, Um, I think that's fair. I feel like it's a fair thing to, to say that, you know, the practical effects speak for themselves, you know, um, to this day, I, I still think a lot of like one of the one of the reasons why the original films look so good is because, again, of that reliance on practical effects. Um, yeah. Yeah. And not not to go into a like a boo CGI tirade. I, I don't want to do that <laughs> at all um, because it's a combination of those two things that make for the best effects. 
Um, but also, yeah, the fact that the um, the fact that our our heroes don't win this battle, they have to retreat. I think that says a lot about like just setting the very tone for the film um, mm. as a whole, and like that chapter of the trilogy. I, I I agree. I think that says a lot. I am going to disagree with you though, um, as far as what the best battle is. Um, and maybe you know, call 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 me out on this if uh, if you think if you if you call shenanigans or whatever. But I actually think the climax of Rogue One is uh, when when they're they all go down to the suicide mission. I I feel like that is the best battle of you know of the entire Star Wars franchise in terms of the movies. And I, I will I will uh, I give I give a lot of props to the Battle of Hoth and. And again, th those merits are definitely there. But I have to give it to Rogue One for me personally, because Rogue One is the first one where that air of, like, fun is, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's kind of like sucked out of it, and I don't want to diminish the stakes in any of the other Star Wars movies, but there's something triumphant about every single other Star Wars battle in the films. Mm. Like you, you're like, woo! This is an adventure, even when people die, and it's a bummer. Um, but like the the climax for Rogue One is completely different. You really feel like you're in a war zone, at least within the Star Wars universe. You feel like you're yeah. in a war zone, and the AT-ATs, which even as a kid I always thought kind of looked silly, um, at, you know, in Rogue One. You make those things that those stop motion animated things that that look adorable <laughs> in the original trilogy. You make them look scary because you are down there on the ground with the people, and you really get the full size and scope and weight of those of those things. Um, mm. Like I never was scared of an ATAT. -AT. Like I said, I always thought they kind of looked silly. Um, and I'm like, who designed that? Even as a child, I'm like, that seems like an odd design choice. Um, <laughs> But, but it, like, when I sat down for Rogue One, I'm like, oh, no, those things are scary. <laughs> yeah. Just to have well, them towering above you and also having this aerial space battle going on as well. Um, as well as, like, the, you know, the, the aerial battle on the planet itself. So you have all of these different components. And ultimately, it is a battle that isn't won. It is, it is a very dark, sad sort of state of affairs but it like at the end of the day it was it, it was this big necessary battle as well and that was just taking a lot of emotional weight into it because you know they're going to get the plans you know that's going to be fine but at the end of the day you're like i don't know if they might get the plans but i don't know if everybody's going to make it out of it and sure enough nobody makes it out of it mm. spoilers well, rogue one's <laughs> kind of like rogue one's like the first star wars movie to actually be a war movie yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's true even the clone wars didn't have a war in it <laughs> well okay so i have I to mean, sorry not the clone wars attack of the clones attack, attack the of the clones. i was gonna say right, there right. was there yeah. was that whole series called the clone yes wars. no that was bad terminology on my part i apologize <laughs> um okay so i will say this i still contend that i think hoth is uh, the battle of hoth is the best and i think so for a couple different reasons. One, I love the AT-ATs, so I, I'm kind of Team Daryl on AT-ATs. <laughs> um, but well, let's be clear. Yeah, she's talking about the two-legged ones, right? 
I'm I'm talking about all all of them. The, okay. the two-legged ones are adorable. They look like chickens, and the AT-ATs yeah. look like greyhounds dressed in Halloween costumes. Okay, because I thought the the ones in Hoth actually were for both, like the four-legged ones. Yeah, but I, the like the the two-legged ones, like in Jedi. Yeah, yeah, they're adorable. <laughs> they're just especially precious. when they get smashed in on either side by logs. You know? Yes. Well, here's the thing, right? So I I think that there's some uh, of what leads up to this battle that makes it so fascinating. Because they're already on the run. They basically barely had time to set up this base, and they're already being pursued by the Empire. And the first thing you see is you see... Well, you get the the first thing thing we get is we get the uh, fleet of Star Destroyers has just come into the system. A fleet of Star Destroyers. So first off, that's amazing. But then we get this anticipation of, of this big clash where you have dudes in the snow with rifles running that out. That the name of the movie. What's that? Dudes in the snow with rifles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then through the fog, here come the AT-ATs, right? And you go, well, what chance did these guys have against yeah. these things? So I think that that setup is pretty cool. I also like that... I think the biggest weakness of the Battle of Hoth is the fact that there's not more i think the aerial battle which is mostly low to the ground combat and then uh escorting ships to jump out out into space um is a little bit weaker uh in this one so i do think that in both the battles that you guys referenced the um space battle is actually superior than this battle but for whatever reason Maybe it's just because they keep going back to sand planets and they don't go back to <laughs> ice planets. I have to say that I love this battle. It's my favorite. Um, I'm a little surprised actually, that nobody nobody picked the end of A New Hope. You know what? I had A New Hope reference, but I mean, the problem with A New Hope is that I really enjoy ground combat in Star Wars. Yeah. And... The trench is certainly iconic, and it's certainly a moment where you know we kind of see this confluence of things, like the Force is being used, and Luke is rising up to his heroic state. Um, but I just think that the Battle of Hoth is more well-rounded, though. I don't know. But see, I'm really, I'm the guy who said that this is my favorite movie, and that the battle where the, the rebellion loses is my favorite battle. So <laughs> I don't know what says, that says about me. Um. Any other thoughts about battles? Anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, I would I would tend to agree with you. I like the the foot battles not so much because they're on foot and not in space, mm-hmm. but I guess I get more of a I don't know more of a visceral reaction out of watching people fight than rather than watching ships flying around shooting at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there's something to be said about both. Um, you know, both uh, present some pros and cons in terms of visual storytelling. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it, the, the ones that stand out in our mind the most are the ones that, that balance um, those different types of battles simultaneously. Um, I, I feel like those are the ones that stand out the most in the, the original trilogy. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. 
They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. Um, All right, so question four is, this is the super nuanced, like super crazy, ridiculous question. And I'm throwing it in here anyways, because we ask spiritual questions on this podcast. So I'm asking this one. And it is ridiculous, so bear with me. We sort of know that Han starts out as a as a non-believer, we'll call it, um, in terms of hokey religions and ancient weapons. He has that throwaway line in A New Hope. Um, and really the only spiritual perspective that we're given in Star Wars surrounds the Force. There are different interpretations of the Force. Jedi, Sith, Grey Jedi, Bendu, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, the um, Bendu. <laughs> yeah see i should ask you about that i haven't seen rebels at all which i know that that's a giant failure on my part but um that's something that i don't even have a concept of yet i just know that it's out there and i hear people talk about it <laughs> um so but but back to this focus like um one of the rebel base troops tells han not to go back outside because it's too cold and then han's response is this line that he said where he says then i'll see you in hell and i let's just pretend for a second that's not that that's just not a throwaway cool guy line which it probably is and george lucas is probably like hey well, i'll see you in hell let's just <laughs> throw that in there um but what do you think hell looks like in the star wars universe and there are no wrong answers because this is a ridiculous question <laughs> but megan let's start with you first <laughs> have you ever seen the movie event horizon Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Hell is in space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my, my initial knee-jerk reaction is what does space hell look like, which is immediately followed up with Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's kind of funny because there, there, actually is, there actually is a canonical answer <laughs> to this, according to the Star Wars wiki. Uh, you, you do have to you do have to dig into you know extended universe stuff. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give you and I can I can read off what the what the wiki says real quick. But I want to give you my initial thought when I when I got past my knee jerk event horizon <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> answer uh, because I love my horror movies and uh, event horizon is stupid but also a lot of fun. Um, and I'm a big horror movie person, so I, I love thinking about that, those sorts of things. But um, if, you, if you look at it from a spiritual level, which the Star Wars movies sort of go back and forth on whether or not the, uh, the Force is a religious thing or if it's um, a quantifiable thing, you know, depending on what movie from what time era you're looking at, you know, they look at the Force in different ways. Um, if you look at the Force as a spiritual thing, as the, the essential like, life force of the universe that is always in constant conflict, but is also a constant um, that surrounds and binds everything within the universe, um, then in my mind, what would be hell in that sort of universe is being cut off from the Force completely. Mm. Like, mm. Um, you're 
Not necessarily if you're like a bad person or whatever and you die and go to hell in the traditional kind of Christian sense of what hell is, but like in the Star Wars universe, I suppose, like dying and then being completely cut off from the lifeblood of the universe, to me, that would probably be more akin to, to a hell type realm or existence. Um, but there, like, like I said, there is, there is a canonical answer and I can read it off real quick <laughs> if you, if you'd like. Yeah, to go for it. it. I want to hear the canonical answer. It sounds According good. According to the Star Wars Wikia. So if this is BS, don't blame me, blame, <laughs> blame whoever edited this Wikia. Um, chaos. Referred to as hell in Karelian mythology, and also known as the Void, was a reputedly dark region of the netherworld of the Force, inhabited by the spirits of deceased dark, uh, Sith, dark lords of the Sith, dark Jedi, and the spirits of all evil sentient beings who had died. In Naboo mythology, Chaos was envisioned as a dark pit kept close by um, the six impenetrable gates. So... It basically, yeah, the place where evil people go uh, that when they die, that, that kind of, you know, it sounds like a very traditional notion of hell. Um, but you can definitely tell that this is like a bend over backwards way of like justifying <laughs> what was basically right. a cool guy line. Right, right. Uh, that I love that. That's I love that Star Wars fans will do anything to make up for George Lucas's lack of like clarity about things. I know um, it's amazing, <laughs> and I find myself doing it all the time too. Oh well, it is part of what we do. Daryl, what did you think? That was that was fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that canon into it. That's awesome. No problem. Seriously, I don't know. In Star Wars, to me, hell just seems like wherever Jar Jar is. <laughs> <laughs> hell is having to sit through the prequels. Yeah, hell is literally like a five-foot radius surrounding Jar Jar wherever he goes. Oh, that's true. I think we can all agree on <laughs> But I don't know. I mean, to me, as I'm watching the movie, like, like Megan, your idea of of hell being disconnection from the Force, I actually like that a lot. I think mm. that makes a lot of sense. Um. And I think that actually does fit fairly well into the traditional traditional Christian belief of hell. Mm. You know, hell is like eternal separation from God. So mm-hmm. that that does fit well. <clears throat> I, I felt like within the movie itself, I guess I sort of thought of this in terms of an afterlife. Ah. And kind of the only glimpse we get of any kind of afterlife in the movie is like force ghosts. Right. But they don't seem to go anywhere. They just seem to hang around <laughs> the living. Right. And, and give advice you know but um so i don't know i don't i don't have a real deep answer for this yeah i, I think i'm just gonna go with megan's answer because it's really good <laughs> event horizon got it <laughs> i hate that movie so, it's so dumb that movie made me go home it took me a half an hour to work up the courage to walk from my car to the house. <laughs> and then when I got in the house, I went into the first room I could get into, turned on every light, and went to went to sleep on the couch. Like, I didn't even try to go upstairs. I was so freaked when, out. When did you see Event Horizon, if you don't mind me asking? I was in high school. Ah, that'll do it. So, <laughs> the yeah. first time I saw a tiny bit from Event Horizon... Um, I was a kid and it was just like on pay-per-view and I just walked into the, the living room when no one else was there and I saw oh. the explosive decompression scene 
And like, oh. I had no idea what movie it was, and it scarred me for, I, I, I won't say it scarred me for life, but it definitely made an impression on me. And I didn't watch the rest oh. of the movie. And then I finally like sat down to Netflix it about like maybe two years ago. And I saw that scene and I was like, I know this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I actually saw it in the theater when it came out. And it just wasn't a good I was going to say, I, I imagine that must have been a very disappointing <laughs> yeah. theatrical And it was endeavor. like, it was me and like, there was like 10 of us. It was like five guys, five girls or something like that. And, yeah. And we had to convince the girls to go, you know, like it's just a oh, sci-fi movie because yeah, we yeah, thought yeah. it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And man, they were pissed at us. <laughs> and rightfully so. <laughs> I just know that like my wife is like you, Megan. She likes horror movies and I hate them. Um... <laughs> It like it like horror movies give me anxiety not only in the theater but I can guarantee you that I will not sleep well that night right yeah. but my wife goes and this is before we were married she's like no come on I, w- I want to watch a horror movie with you but it's a geek one so like you can watch it and it'll be okay it's a nerdy horror movie yeah exactly uh, just like you and um and I go okay fine I'll watch it like it's a, it's a geek one order so um we're watching so it and I. I tend, well, especially at that time, I tended to not swear all that much. <laughs> and all I did was swear through that entire movie. <laughs> uh, I hated that. Oh. But um, that, that's really fun. So anyways, that's our podcast on Event Horizon. Yeah. Um, Sorry for the that needs to be said about it. Yeah, exactly. Do not watch it. <laughs> for a number of reasons. Either it'll yeah. be too scary for you or it's just it's just a bad horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I enjoy exactly. it, but it's garbage. <laughs> um, so just really quick on my take, I actually think um, your take, Megan, was outstanding. And actually, it's the exact same. Well, maybe it's because I thought of the same thing that I think it's outstanding. But I was thinking the exact same thing in terms of, um, I mean, obviously he's referring Han is referring to him having died. Yeah. So there is a there is something there that says like after after life there's this thing that could be considered hell. Um, then I had to go with, okay, well, then what would it look like in the context of um, Star Wars? And I was basically thinking the exact same thing that Megan was. And actually, what I like about that take on it is that... Um, I can't remember the guy's name who did the... What is it? Dante's Inferno, the, the painting of hell. Oh, Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name, but when after he painted that, the understanding of hell in the Christian tradition changed to kind of like adapt to the painting <laughs> in some way, in some ways. Um, and yet I think the kind of more traditional approach was that um, hell is eternal separation from God. Um, and I think that that fits really well with the force. And even as you talked to Megan about... Um, Knights of the Old Republic, which, by the way, is an amazing Star Wars story, and I wish it was made into a movie because I think it's fantastic. Um, even as you talked about that character wanting to take the Force out of the universe, uh, that seems like it would be hell. Because we've been told, and we've, we've argued this on this podcast for a long time because we were talking about balance. And like, what in the world does balance mean? Because <laughs> does balance mean there's equal parts, good and bad? And there was the line, there's one of the lines, I actually believe it's in one of the prequels, <coughs> Where they said, like, no, balance is when basically the light side wins, right? Like the light side of, of the force wins. And so, to me, that kind of says, like, the light side of the force is what we want. And the force 
being across the universe in, in its light side form um, is good. But if you were to take the force out entirely, not to make it all dark side, but rather just to take it out um, would cause even bigger problems. And that felt more like hell to me. So I agree, Megan. That was a fantastic take. Good job. Thank you. Uh, that is the, the question that I thought the most about. <laughs> <laughs> see, and I had never even heard it before. So I'm like, oh, I got to throw it in there just to, just to see what happens. So question number five, much of the Empire Strikes Back revolves around us learning more about how the Force works. And we learn that primarily through Luke's training and then also Vader's pursuit of the Millennium Falcon and Han and Chewie and Leia. Um, two questions I have for you guys. Start with Daryl. What are some of the methods that Force-sensitive characters use to interact with the Force? Um, <clears throat> lightsabers? <laughs> no, um, well, you see meditation, you see concentration, training, discipline, mm -hmm. um, going to creepy swamps and hanging out with green trolls. <laughs> um... I think that the biggest part of it seems to be just this absolute, like, holistic dedication. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, once you are choosing that your life is about the Force, everything in your life is about the Force. Mm. You know? Interesting. Interesting. Anything to add to that, Megan? Um, It's... It's interesting because when, when you initially asked the, the question, I was thinking more in terms of people who are just kind of force sensitive but aren't necessarily Jedi. Um, mm. Because like the, the, obviously the, the most we interaction we see um, from force users is the ones who are, are trained in the ways of the force or are becoming trained in the ways of the force. Like the Jedi and the Sith and the people who do the cool, awesome flips and kicks uh, with lightsabers that, that we love so much. But for whatever reason, when you ask the question, I was thinking more in terms of how like the people who aren't trained in the ways of the Force interact with it. Um, particularly Leia and Han in, um, during their, their escape from the planet Hoth and, um, and in other various parts throughout the film. Like one of the things that Han, you know, he doesn't believe in the Force, but one of the things that he does believe in is his own luck. And he firmly believes in his own luck, and that's why he's constantly saying, never tell me the odds. Um, you know, I, he doesn't believe in the Force, but he does believe in himself and his luck. And in a weird way, I feel like the Force is working through him, and he's mm -hmm. perceiving it as luck. <clears throat> he's like, woo, I made it through, you know... In what other in other what other way can you explain how a hunk of junk like the Millennium Falcon can can maneuver its way through an asteroid field and elude you know the the Empire and the military might of the Empire, um, especially when the odds of doing so are astronomical, um, and it's because he whether he knows it or not is tapped into the Force and you see it a lot with Leia too, not necessarily in terms of her, her um, you know, ability as, as a soldier and as a political figure, but you see it in her intuition. Like, any time, like, there, the one, one of the things that these films do really well is showing the connection characters have when they are nowhere near each other. Um, and mm. just their ability to kind of feel when something is wrong or isn't right. And I feel like Leia and her connection to the Force, which 
if she had ever decided to become trained in the ways of she would you know she would be an amazing jedi warrior um but because she never chooses that path the the force is still very strong with her though and you see that manifest through her intuition yeah yeah definitely um i love that i actually love that take of being able to see what people who um are like either don't know they're force sensitive or just don't believe they're force sensitive. That's a really interesting take. So um, for me, I had some of the same practices that Daryl had down. So I had meditation, I had concentration. I also had communal interaction and support because without those mm. things, like I don't think that people would have as much of a connection to the force. Um, mentorship and coaching Ooh, is in there as well, nice. which is interesting to me. The one that's noticeably absent that didn't appear in the Star Wars canon until Rogue One is prayer. Yeah. They didn't really have prayer in there until Rogue One came along and gave us some examples of what that might look oh, like. Oh, my heart. Predominantly from, what's that? My heart. I am one with yeah, the forces I know. with me. I know, I know, I know. You can't, actually, that's of all of the scenes in Star Wars, that scene caused me to tear up more than any other scene yeah so that one's a, that one is a is a gut punch on that one um so now i have a more personal question for you guys and this is what we always do to people we always torture them by asking them super personal <laughs> questions um so question number six and megan we'll start with you on this one the practices that we just described are these practices valuable in our lives even outside of the star wars context are they valuable for us today uh, why or why not? And if you're comfortable sharing, are there any of these things that you practice and how do you practice them? Um, I feel like one of the reasons why Star Wars resonates with so many people is because, yeah, I mean, they, they, there are things in here that you can apply to your own life and, um, and that you should practice. Um, if that's, you know, a way to sort of help you, you become a better person and everything like that. Um, I, I love the idea of having a mentor and having a coach, but for, for me, the, the most important thing is the, the thing that the Jedi always seem to be doing, um, is that internal self-reflection. Um, mm. you know, they, I don't agree with every single Jedi notion because, uh, I feel like the, the world is made up of shades of gray as opposed to, to straight up white and black. Um, but uh, something that the, the Jedi are constantly doing are look, is looking within themselves and seeing and, and using that as kind of a way to reinforce uh, their connection with the Force. Um, and, you know, kind of that, that kind of Buddha-Zen sort of relationship of, like, it's not about me as a person, you know, it's about the universe. And I, I feel like that's, uh, that, that's something that... I kind of do a lot. Um, the the thing that I really do is that like self reflection, and it's something that I feel like everybody does to a certain extent. Um, of just this, who am I? What is my, you know, place in in the the rest of the universe? Um, and how do I how do I use this knowledge to become a better person, or do I not use it to be a better person? Like what, where? How do I use this to determine what my path is in life? um and be whatever it is i'm supposed to be and or or if you want to be a little bit more existential about it like choose where i'm supposed to be um mm. and everything like that so i i de and i i definitely hand it to people who who use meditation as a as a way to 
focus and center themselves and uh, attain sort of attain sort of this emotional stability. I tried meditating and I can't do it. <laughs> I'm really bad at it, and it just like a lot of the other things. I, I think that reinforces that it's it's a muscle that you need to work out. Um, so I admire anybody who can uh, practice meditation. Um, definitely not for me, but um, definitely things that you can take away are our mentorship, the the physical training that, that goes with the spiritual training um, and everything like that to be in tune with with yourself spiritually, both physically and mentally and spiritually. I feel like those are all things that we can apply to our own lives. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely. What do you think, Daryl? Anything you want to add? Yeah, I agree. I think, <clears throat> so for me, I'm a Christian or Christ follower and it you know, the world is so full of busyness. Like, you know, I've got my job that I have to do. I've got my kids that I have to take care of. I've got podcasts to prepare for, you know, like all these different things. There's so much going on in podcasts life that I get to prepare for. That I get to prepare <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, but um, I think a lot of what I see in the Jedi is just this sort of emphasis on slowing down and mm. setting aside stuff that's going on around them to focus inward. Mm -hmm. And for me, I have to do that or I just get lost in the fray. You know, like I, I get disconnected from the God that I believe in and I, I need to slow down. And these are the kinds of things that help me do that. And like a really good picture of it for me is actually not to talk about a different movie, but is in The Force Awakens mm. when Rey and Kylo were fighting. Mm. And kind of the big turning point in that battle is when she takes a minute, closes her eyes, focuses, and then she starts kicking butt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, I mean, you know, like mentor is awesome too, training and discipline and stuff, but there's a really big emphasis on just slowing down, sort of shutting out what's going on around you and taking time to focus on what's important and what's true. Breathe. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I I agree with both of you guys. So I have, the first line I have written down here is just that I think these practices are super important, and um, and I haven't always I haven't always felt that way. So I remember when I was younger, I have not been historically in touch with my feelings. I have that in quotation marks. Um, and if you were to come up to me and said like, "Hey, how do you feel right now?" I'd be like, "Fine." <laughs> you know, it didn't matter. I just I would always just say feel fine because I didn't even have any clue what emotions were behind that response for me. Um, and I wasn't doing reflect self-reflection like you're talking about, Megan, which I think is kind of a form of meditation in a way, self-reflection. Um, but uh, I had to learn meditation. I'm still terrible at it. Um, really, really, really terrible at it because, and for those of you who listen to the podcast, cast frequently you hear me say this all the time but i'm involved in the startup world as well i have obviously this the nonprofit that um hosts or that produces the story geeks podcast is something that i run on the side while i'm doing like helping other startups launch their companies and so it is very difficult to be like okay now do nothing because you kind of feel like you always want to be doing something right like i gotta grow this thing i guess it's gotta be bigger i want more listeners um i gotta be able to find more people to add to the podcast like how do i get megan salinas on here uh so that stuff just takes up so much time and it's constantly like you're just going after it going after it going after it and i think 
for me to find time to meditate, for me to find time to um, pray, for me to find time to build intimate relationships with other people um, is very difficult. Like my wife and I had a couple of, my wife and I both have had four best friends move out of state or far enough like away in this state that we can't hang out with them anymore. And that's just been super challenging. So um, all of those things I think are really good things. And I'm glad that Star Wars encourages us to participate in them. So I'm with you guys. Those things are really important. It makes a lot of sense. I admire um, you for being able to meditate. Even if you say you're not good at it. I gave uh, it a try like two days in a row and I was like, nah, not for me. <laughs> Boo. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a trick. I'll give you a trick. Um, the There was uh, some counselor at some point is the one that recommended them to me. And they gave me like, I don't know, four different styles that I could use. And the only one or the one that I had to practice to get used to it was like the um, the body awareness one. So to be like, can you feel the tips of your toes right now? And then can you can you walk your consciousness along the bottoms of your feet to your ankles? And then like, that's the only way I could do it because my attention was placed somewhere. It wasn't just like, just sit in a room in the dark and like, don't think. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the quickest way to make me think of everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, so that was one way that I was able to do it. Um, and I just need to be more consistent in it because I'm just not as consistent as I should be. So, Good to know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's just a little meditation tip on the Story Geeks <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it makes me think of this. I don't know. This might not be very well related, but I learned a little trick. So I, I used to deal pretty heavily with anxiety. You knew me back then. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it still crops up every now and then. But I learned a trick when I was going to counseling for that. Very simple little breathing trick where mm. you breathe in through your nose mm-hmm. for three seconds. Mm-hmm. You actually count it in your head. Mm-hmm. hold it for three seconds, count it in your head, and breathe out your mouth for three seconds, count it in your head. Mm. Simple little thing. It's unbelievable how quickly that will calm me down. Oh, that's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. That's incredible. That is, that's super cool. So, so there you go. Now now you have lots of tips. <laughs> your, your day can be better now for you, because you've listened to the Story Geeks uh, podcast. To, to do another real quick uh, geeky tangent, yeah. um, Talking about anxiety and everything like that. Do you either of you watch Steven Universe by any chance? I do uh, not. There's a there's a musical number in it, and um, I I want to say it's this past season um, called Here Comes a Thought, which is uh, which was written when uh, the creator was dealing with anxiety, and it's just kind of about taking a moment to breathe and center yourself again. Um, you know, uh, even when you're letting all of these little angst. Um, anxieties build up and overwhelm you. Um, so yeah, if you haven't, if you guys don't watch Steven Universe at the very bare minimum, bare minimum, just Google uh, "Here Comes a Thought" and you'll have like a million covers pop up. <laughs> oh wow, that's awesome! All right, question number seven. Luke lands on Dagobah, and we meet Yoda for the first time, and. You know, Luke has no clue that Yoda is the Jedi Master that he's actually landed on Dagobah to find. Um, and he even just completely discounts Yoda, basically. So my question for you guys, starting with you, Daryl, what does this tell us about how we view other people, especially if we judge them solely on their outward appearance? It tells me that maybe I've been a little too harsh on green trolls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously we shouldn't judge people on 
their outward appearance. You know, don't judge a book by its cover. But on a deeper level, I think what it does is it negates the possibility of relationship and for you to really learn somebody's story, mm. which can be a really powerful thing. So that's a very short answer. But that's, what, <laughs> that's what came to my mind. Yeah, so. that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, like when uh, when we're first introduced to Yoda, you can you can sort of see it on Luke's face uh, because he's not sure if going to Dagobah is the right choice, and then he sees this little tiny uh, green troll puppet, and he's just like, "Did I just step into another movie? Oh man, <laughs> like oh, that this isn't going to be fun for me. How am I ever going to find Yoda?" <laughs> and um, yeah, I I think. His reaction is sort of the audience's reaction, sort of too. It's just like, oh, this is this is a little troll guy who's who's probably kind of crazy, and like either he's going to help Luke find the real Yoda, or or like um, or you know he's going to trick you know this is this is all a rouge, and this little guy is actually gonna lead him into a trap or something like that. Um, so I think it says a lot that like when we're first introduced to to uh, this character that like our main character is just like there's absolutely no way it, like it's not even a thought that this guy could be the person that he's looking for. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think that sort of and because Luke is sort of our he's our hero, but he's also the everyman. I think that that says a lot about what the uh, expected audience reaction was going to be to the character as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been a little confused by Yoda too. So, go with me a little bit on this. But yeah, so when you first meet Yoda for the first time, which is in this movie, yeah, he's like a jerk. He is he's super like, a jerk. He's a crazy, snarky little troll. <laughs> and then once we find out who he is, he sort of becomes regal and stoic. And yeah, and then every time we see him thereafter, that's how he is. And then in the prequels. He's only portrayed that way. Right. So my question is, <clears throat> what happened? <laughs> like, why Why did he become this snarky little jerk? Well, like, was, he, all his... was, it, was he playing a role for yeah. Luke? Or... Was he doing a bit? <laughs> or was it just a matter of Lucas forgetting where he started with Yoda and then going back and making him this I, regal character? I feel in... like you can use the excuse of he all his friends are dead and he's been on this swamp planet alone for a long time <laughs> i feel like that's the yeah, justification um uh, because like when because i when i was re-watching it this weekend i definitely had that same thought of like oh man yoda's such a jerk like uh, like <laughs> you kind of forget how much of a jerk he is um when you when you look at the rest of the franchise because he's as you said, presented as nothing more than this very wise, um, sort yeah. of ancient regal character um, who is, you know, knows far more than uh, than our young protagonist. But uh, but yeah, when I was watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, he's so mean, like unnecessarily mean. Um, and College Humor actually did a fun uh, skit a while back about the, the fantasy trope character of the old wise man who knows everything but isn't saying anything. And I, I definitely get that from both uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan. But I, I, took a, I took another minute to think about it of like, 
oh wait, this is a person who's been alone for a very long time and all his friends are dead. Yeah, I'd probably be a jerk too. <laughs> <laughs> I have a slightly different take on it, though that could be the accurate take. Um, my take is that it's actually a test. So in other words, what he's doing is, what he's doing to Luke is that he's saying like, well, first of all, I don't, he's not going to trust people because literally people have been trying to look for him for years to kill him, right? So I'm not going to portray myself as like the wise person because if you know automatically who I am, my life might be in danger. Um, but on top of that, I think he's actually trying to test Luke to see how much patience Luke has to see how, to see if Luke can be centered in himself when things start to go wrong. Um, so I think I'm giving Yoda a big benefit of the doubt here and George Lucas, but I think it's actually an intentional I mean, from his part. I feel like there's a lot of validity to that because the moment we have the turn, you know, when uh, when Obi-Wan shows back up um, on Dagobah, like the moment we have that turn, like you you have Yoda communicating with Obi-Wan and he's like, mm, this this kid, it, like this isn't the type of person I should be training. And um, he's he's quick to anger. He he's you know he's always rushing into things. Like this isn't the type of person I should be training in the ways of the Force. So yeah, I could definitely see him acting like a jerk as to to be sort of acting as a sort of litmus test of like oh, okay, this kid's a Skywalker. Like Skywalkers, in my opinion, have been very angsty and lash out in anger. <laughs> so and, and are very petty you know let let's see where this kid is at like on on the spectrum of like in terms of his response to anger and pettiness exactly yeah exactly um and in regards to his appearance like i think and how we judge people you know i think and and i my wife was listening to an npr study and i actually have been wanting to listen to it but i haven't had the time to turn it on where they talked about how um our ability as human beings to judge people based on their appearance is actually a good thing. Ways that it can be a good way, a thing. I think the problem is, and they say this, they say this on NPR too. So I'm not trying to paint NPR into a corner of like, oh, it's jerks. They say to judge people, um, but they also then say it's just that it's incomplete, right? Yeah. So you can be able, you can like get some semblance of somebody based on you know a quick uh, interaction with them. But what you can't do is you can't really learn about them as a human being and all of the value that they have to offer the world um, and all and even the darker parts of them if they if you if they are portrayed to you as being like a really awesome person. Every human being is going to be struggling with things. Every human being is going to also be really amazing at some things. And you're not going to get that full picture just by seeing the outward appearance. So we might be able to see some things, but the it's like... You know, it's like that traditional thing that everyone always uses with the iceberg where you only see the top of the iceberg. And yeah, you can tell it's an iceberg, but you can't tell what's under the surface of that iceberg. So they might be partially useful, but not totally useful. Um, we're going to stay on the Yoda question track here. Um, he's often referred to as being wise. And in The Empire Strikes Back, we get several poignant platitudes from him. I was really proud of myself, by the way, with that alliteration. When I wrote it down. <laughs> um, 
I've listed some of those statements here, and what I'd like for us to do is to determine whether or not this statement is wise. And then just really quick, because we could probably take an hour on this yeah. question alone. Like, just really quick, why, are, why is that wise or why is that not wise? So I'm going to throw out the question, and then we're going to have Megan go first for all of them. So we'll go Megan, Daryl, Jay. Um, so the first one I have on here is, you must unlearn what you have learned. Wise or unwise, and why, Megan? Well, I just want to preface this part by saying uh, I, I just got through the subtle art of not giving an F, uh, <laughs> uh, which I'm not normally a self-help book t sort of person, but uh, a lot of that book kind of resonated with me. So you must... Um Is that Gary... Gary Vaynerchuk? Uh, let me... Is that, is that who wrote let that? Me, let me double check. <laughs> it's probably not the most important thing, but I, feel uh, like I just heard him talking about that. Mark Manson. Oh, okay. Different guy. Different guy. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely going to say wise um, because so much of like our adult life is, you know, in terms of learning and growing kind of comes with unlearning lessons that were sort of hammered into us during our our, our formative years mm. you know in terms Absolutely. um so yeah i i i, I don't want to say like oh yeah that that gives you an excuse to not study or anything like that but no i definitely think that when it comes to um learning something new or or again even that whole self-reflection thing you need to or, or looking at somebody and making that quick judgment based on their appearance, you know. You need to remind yourself, oh no, I need to unknow everything that I think that I know because I'm actually an idiot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Daryl, wise or unwise? What? Yeah, wise. <clears throat> Same thing, I mean, you, you grow by moving beyond your previous circumstances and moving outside of your own context, so... Three Definitely for three, wise. we all say it's wise. <laughs> <laughs> My example was just that I tried to learn snowboarding, and I assumed that snowboarding was like skateboarding. And snowboarding is nothing like skateboarding. <laughs> and if you try to snowboard like you're on a skateboard, you will fail miserably. <laughs> I had to unlearn what I had, I had learned. Mm -hmm. All right, so ne the next quote is, judge me by my size, do you? Size matters not. Megan, what do you think, wise or unwise? I could make an inappropriate joke here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I kind of think the same thing. Um, you know, it doesn't matter necessarily, you know, what your physicality is in terms of like the type of person that you are. Uh, you know, that is determined by how you choose to treat other people. But even in terms of, like, you know, the, a person's physical abilities, one of the coolest forms of martial arts is actually Aikido, which is all about using somebody's opponent's size and strength against them. So, uh, actually, a lot of women take that as their, their choice of martial arts class because it's a good way of being able to subdue somebody who is bigger and stronger than you. There you go. What do you think, Daryl? <laughs> Jay and I are smiling because we're thinking back to our Attack of the Clones podcast where he asked... How do we how do we feel about Yoda's fighting style? <laughs> that's the right. Clones? Yeah, that's right. And I said I hated it because <laughs> Yoda's supposed to be stoic and still and calm. And I actually said that I didn't say Aikido, but I actually said that um, 
I felt like Yoda should be like Steven Seagal because he should be standing there and using people's momentum against them rather than flipping around all over the place. But uh, do I think this is wise? I, I think it's true. I don't know if it's necessarily like a deep wisdom. Ah. Uh, you know. Yeah. But it's definitely true. So I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say that it's partially wise, and here's why. Because if you take it on its face value, like size is definitely a limiter. In other, what I mean by that is, I will never be an NBA center. Okay, I'm five foot ten and a half. I, I say the half because I want to be taller. <laughs> um, but like very few people with my height could play in the NBA. Um, and even if they could play in the NBA, they're definitely not going to play center. Um, or if they do, it's going to be like for a play or two, right? Uh, however, what I, the point I think Yoda is trying to make here is that in the things that matter most, in this case, he's referring to Luke's spirituality in being able to connect to the Force. And so I believe that this statement is wise in that regard because for the things that really matter in life, whether it's relationships or the value that we bring to the world or the things that we are capable of, size doesn't matter in those things. But it doesn't mean that we don't have differences that aren't applied in different ways, in my opinion. So I'm going to say that it's partially wise and it's wise in the most important parts <laughs> at the expense of being perhaps wise at like face value. I, I like that. Um, I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of all about also having those realistic expectations. And um, I, I, I'm going to throw another movie quote in here. Not not anyone can be great, but greatness can come from anywhere. There it is. Nice. There you go. What's, what movie is that from? Ratatouille. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, I, was, I meant to start to read these in a Yoda voice, by the way. And I just remembered that I was going to do that. I'm like, it's oh, man. It's not too late. You got one more. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd like to hear it. Uh, I, I feel like I have to do like like a whole like five-minute preparation just to be able to do it. <laughs> All right. Let me try this. Mm, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. That was really that was good. good. Not too. Oh, man. Well That's just on the fly, though. I don't know. I'm going to hate how it sounds later. <laughs> Why is it that when anybody does an impression of Yoda, they always... The first noise they make is not a word. But it's like <laughs> like you just tasted something really good. It's like, mm, mm. I don't, you know what? I think you have to do that just to get into the Yoda frame of mind. You have, to, you have mind. to do it to get into character. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's a like requirement. The, it's like the old, like the old school generic French accent. Before you say any words, you have to go ha ha. <laughs> exactly. You know what? I've been to France, and they all do that. Yeah, <laughs> before every sentence. Yeah, <laughs> and they all wear berets. And they, exactly. they walk around yeah. carrying bags filled with baguettes. Yeah, that's right. And they're all painters. Yeah, it's just a lovely country. Uh, all right. So, what do you think? What do you think, uh, Megan? Is, is is that a is that a true wise statement? Um, yeah. I mean, it kind of again, it kind of depends on like your 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 notions of spirituality and things like that. But even even if you are an atheist or an existentialist or however you want to define yourself, um, thinking of yourself as you know, something, something greater than just kind of what you see. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not wording this very well, but yeah, I, I feel like there is some wisdom to it if you want to go on the spiritual side of things, of like reminding yourself that you, you know, you are bigger than, than what, what is presented here on earth, especially if you believe in like an afterlife and everything like that. Like we are more than the sum of our parts. And I feel like that, that probably 
if you wanted to translate that into just sort of a modern idiom, I feel like we are more than the sum of our parts is probably a good equivalent. And so, yeah, I think there's definitely some conventional wisdom there, especially if we're talking about like looking at the bigger picture and not just getting caught up in the day-to-day, -day, you know, trivialities of life. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. What do you think, Daryl? Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> I, who, who does he say this to? What's the context of this? He's like uh, yelling at Luke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. During their training session. I didn't know. I couldn't remember if he was talking to Luke or if he was talking to Ben when they were, when or Obi Wan when Obi Wan's Force Ghost was. Yeah. Was yeah. There. No, he's just using it's, he's using him as an example. Like, look at him. <laughs> he's okay. so bright. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, but yeah, he's he's doing it during Luke's training um, because Luke is struggling with certain uh, aspects. Of, of the force okay that makes more sense yeah because i was thinking of it in terms of like talking to obi-wan and i'm like other than literally <laughs> being a luminous being i'm like <laughs> like i don't get it yeah. <laughs> but, but awesome. yeah i mean putting it in that context i i would say wise yeah he, he's talking about how people are, are basically extensions of the force and so they are you know they are greater than just you know being a person totally yeah yeah, I, I am with you guys. I think this is a very wise statement. And like Daryl has already said, if you listen to this podcast, you know we invite people of all faiths, people who uh, believe that faith is ridiculous. We invite everybody to have conversations with us. So we are open to any opinions and we want people to express them. But uh, we are both Christ followers. So when I get a statement like this where it's like, look, it's more than just... It's more than just matter. It's more than, in fact, matter is crude in a way and that we are luminous. I just think that that has so much power to it to explain um, to us that when we're going through difficult times or when we are putting too much of a stake in our physical stature or what we can do physically, it's like, yeah, but you're so much more valuable than that. Um, so I love it. I think it's an amazing statement. Um, all right. Last one from Yoda. <laughs> Uh, Luke is unable to move the X-Wing out of the swamp. And Yoda is basically telling him, like, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And Luke says, I don't believe it. And Yoda says, that is why you fail. Megan, is that why? Um, yes. Uh, much like we, we discussed earlier, it's important to have realistic expectations. You know, again, you know, somebody five foot ten, it would be very difficult for them to be a center um, NBA player. Um, but at the same time, uh, we talk ourselves out of success so much by, by saying, I don't believe it, or I'm afraid of failing or like, oh, that's, that's not a thing that's possible. Um, and so we talk ourselves out of actually accomplishing, you know, either good or great things because we just simply don't believe that it's attainable. And I'm not going to say that like just believing in yourself is, is going to like fix all your problems or help you accomplish what you, all your goals in life, because it's not, but you certainly don't accomplish anything by not believing in yourself. Mm. Yeah. What do you mean, Tara? I just can't stop thinking about this episode of Community <laughs> where, where Betty White plays a teacher and she says to, to Jeff Winger, she's like, that's why you fail. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about that. Um, no, I think this is definitely wise. I mean, belief is crucial to your worldview, whatever that worldview may be. Hmm. And 
without that, you know, what are you moving through life for, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I, I actually fell directly in alignment with Megan. So, like, it's like, yeah, you just because you believe doesn't mean you're going to be successful. But you need to believe before you're able to even do yeah. what you need to do to be successful. That is it for today's podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.